What's up, guys? Rick here with your betting and one-and-done preview for this week's Palmetto Championship, the dart throw edition with the field that we have in South Carolina this week. Don't forget, if you want to take advantage of any of these bets or really any bet, NBA, NFL, like whatever you want, uh, go to rickrungood.com slash bets and see if there is an offer for your state. These sportsbooks are giving away a ton of money, a ton of free bets, uh, for signups. So if you have not taken advantage of it yet, highly recommend that you do so. And then also, of course, there will be the Wednesday live chat, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Rick Rungood YouTube channel for all your final questions, concerns, jokes about the field, whatever you want to do, uh, that time is yours, 3 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. But for now, let's do it. Let's do bets and one and done. This right here is the tournament predictor tool on rickrungood.com. It is how I simulate the results of the golf tournament 1,000 times. I compare it to the odds, and we see if there's any value. And, oh, boy, it's a doozy this week, right? I mean, Dustin Johnson uh, wins my simulations 14% of the time. Brooks Kepka wins it 11. Terrell Hatton wins it 10. At first glance, I get it. DJ has not played well. In fact, seven consecutive events, he has not finished inside the top 10. That is his long, longest streak since the start of 2020, or since the end of 2019, I believe, is when that stretch was into 2020. So uh, he hasn't played particularly well, but what the model loves and loves it from Kepka and loves it from Hatton as well is up, winning upside. Uh, Hatton's won four times in the last, I think, three years on the European Tour. DJ, obviously, a prolific winner. And Brooks Kepka also uh, wins quite a bit, if you have not heard. So the idea that those three dominate the vast majority of the win equity out of the model certainly makes sense. If you <clears throat> were looking for my narrative, looking for my thoughts on it, if, if, you're, if you just want to enjoy this event, this course at Congaree, which we don't know anything about, but I think it's going to be very beautiful and I think it's going to look great on television. If you want to enjoy the week, you should probably just bet Brooks and you should probably just do it at eight and a half to one. Um, I think that is the most likely one to be live come Sunday afternoon. Uh, I think that if you are doing this a bit more seriously, uh, you know, maybe you're keeping track of your bankroll or your outcomes or things like that. You're trying to grow it. I, I think that betting either DJ or Brooks Kepka at seven and a half or eight and a half to one at a course that we have no idea about uh, the week before a major championship. I think that's pretty silly. You know, it's hard to win any golf tournament. Uh, it's hard to win one that's got 154 golfers. It's hard to win one, especially where we don't know what the skill set. I just, I just think these odds are incredibly short, and I would be a little bit worried about betting those guys if I was doing it for anything, you know, anything seriously, keeping track of my units or whatever it might be. From what I can tell, the money is rolling in on Matt Fitzpatrick, who I have winning this golf tournament 7% of the time. Uh, I'm looking at Circa's app, and they opened up, they opened him at about, I think it was 17 to 1. He has been bet down to 11 and a half. He has now the third shortest odds. He's now shorter than Terrell Hatton. You can still get Fitzpatrick at 13 on DraftKings. Uh, I think William Hill also has... A similar line on him. I, I I understand why the money's rolling in. He's been great on a lot of these um, 
a lot of these difficult courses, even ones that don't necessarily fit well for him. Actually, William Hill has him at 16 to 1, so that's the best number that I can find on Matt Fitzpatrick if you're looking to get into that market. I will probably save my Matt Fitzpatrick exposure if it's not on William Hill for matchups, uh, potentially for a top 10 wager. You can get him about plus 150, plus 200, depending on where you are looking. So uh, I certainly understand it. I'm not sure there's a ton of juice to be squeezed out of out of that one. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, just kind of fair on it. I will say the one bet uh, that I have made, and I don't know if this is a good bet or not, uh, is Sung J.M. And he's coming off of the... Two consecutive missed cuts. He's not really in a great spot right now, but we're getting a significantly weaker field. We are getting Congaree, which by my by my analysis, I think you're going to have to lean on the short game quite a bit, which is what we have seen Sungjae do. Uh, the closest comp that I have for Congaree is probably Royal Melbourne, where they played the President's Cup, and Sungjae was awesome. That's an Alistair McKenzie design. If you want to thread the needle, go a little bit further, Another Alistair McKenzie design would have been Augusta National, where we know Sung J.M. has finished runner-up. I just think the opportunity to display his short game and lean on that as a winner on the PGA Tour already at 17-1 to in this field feels much more appetizing than going down and betting some of these really short guys or even Fitzpatrick, who, what, is still looking for his first PGA Tour uh, victory. So I, I think that the Sungjae 17 to 1 number is the one that caught my attention. Um, I got it at 17. He is actually, believe it or not, if you bet on William Hill, he's 22. So certainly want to shop that number. If you're looking for long shots, guys further down the board, maybe for top 10s, top 20s, I think your guess is as good as mine. I, I'm, I'm going to probably be warming up on Tommy Fleetwood as as the week goes on. And let me pull his let me pull up his information here real quick. What I think is interesting about Tommy is is most people don't realize how good he is around the greens. Uh, not only has he been really good, but he's he's this is the best year he's ever had around the greens in terms of strokes gained. Now, uh, the ball striking has been suspect. It's been hit or miss. He hasn't played particularly well here in the States. But again, an unknown course that is kind of a link style course that you can play the ball on the ground. You have to lean on your short game. Tommy's kind of interesting. Fourth in strokes gain around the green at the moment. He's 68th from tee to green. He's longer than you think. I, I just, I just, I don't mind it, right? I, I'm not, I'm not sprinting to the window or to my mobile app to get it in. But I think as the week goes on, I'll continue to warm on that. Um, you have to be aware. So I'm recording this Tuesday morning. We just got basically the rest of the U.S. Open finalists. There is a really good chance we get a, some more WDs here on Tuesday. Because guys that were teeing it up at Palmetto who got into the U.S. Open might now withdraw. Um, I believe Peter Malnati, one of those guys, again, he has not withdrawn from this event yet, or at least at the time I'm recording this, but he was the example that clicked into my brain. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, Garrett Higo. So so for people who don't know, Garrett Higo's won twice in his last three starts on the European Tour. Uh, really long, uh, lanky, lefty, young kid. I... I like the way he hits it. He sprays it, which is a little bit concerning. And I'm not sure if he's ready to win over here on the PGA Tour at the moment. But someone for like a top 20 for him or maybe lowest South African might be a way to attack with Garrick Higo. You're also going to see a lot of action on Glover, who has already been bet down on William Hill to 40. He's 29 to 1 on DraftKings. And at Circa, he is 43. 
you definitely want to be shopping this, right? And I think that goes for a lot of guys this week. If you have access to multiple books, now is the best time to tap into those. Um, I showed this, I believe, on the DFS preview. And what we've seen from Lucas Glover is he has had a steady um, improvement in his in his putting, which has always been the one thing that has held back Lucas Glover. From tee to green, he's always been phenomenal, and the putter has always let him down. If you look at... Um, well, I guess I'm looking at round by round here. Let's go tournament by tournament here <clears throat> and bring up the glove. So in his last eight measured starts, he's gained strokes putting in six of them, which if you go back to the eight previous to that, he lost strokes in every single one. You go back to the eight previous to that, he lost strokes in like seven of them. I mean, he's just notoriously a terrible putter, but if he has figured out something uh, recently with the flat stick, it's going to be a good time to cash it in because he's also on record as having played here. He's probably played at Congaree more than the vast majority of the guys in the field and maybe more than anybody in this field. So you tap into a little bit of history. You tap into a little bit of good form. Maybe the putting starting to, starting to come around and Lucas Glover starts to be a more appealing option. I would certainly not be betting him at 29 to one. I would be shopping it and going to betting him at, betting him at 40 or 43 to one, whatever you can get. I mean, then we really start to get into real dart throw numbers. Actually, before I get into real dart throws, let's see what Patton Kazire is. So Kazire's 45 to one on DraftKings. He is 40 on William Hill. So better on DraftKings there. And at Circa, he is 42. Okay, so DraftKings hanging the best number, 40, 45. The thing I like about Kazire. Not only does he have two top three finishes in his last three starts, but it's how he does it. So how he does it, and I've, I've said this before about other guys, probably the most dangerous combination of skill sets that you can have on the PGA Tour is the ability to get hot with your irons and the ability to get hot with your putter. Of course, driving the ball consistently, hole after hole, round after round, after round you grind on guys. You're just going to take your advantages every single hole. But the ability to get hot with the irons and hot with the putter, which only if, you know, not everybody on, on tour can is super dangerous because if both of those click at the same exact time, you are throwing darts and you're rolling in every single putt. And it's what it's why Patton Kazire misses a lot of cuts and he has a lot of top 10s. He doesn't do a lot of stuff in the middle. When he has it, he's a top 5, top 10 threat. When he doesn't, he misses the cut. But it's that dangerous volatility that gives me a little bit of hope, a little bit of winning upside for a guy like Patton Kazire at 40, what did we say? 45 is the best number that we can find. And then after that, we are in serious dart throw territory. I'm a bit partial to the Corn Fairy guys. That that includes uh, Seamus Power, Peter Uline, and I'm forgetting someone, even like a David Lipsky. You know, top 10s, top 20s, they're getting the weakest field they've ever played in on the PGA Tour. The Corn Fairy Tour is a very deep tour. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm partial to those guys. If you want to go even deeper into the dart throws, you can get to the college guys or the guys that just turned pro, John Pock, Davis Thompson. Unlikely that they win. Even more unlikely, or I guess not even more unlikely, but also unlikely that they contend, but... Can you get a top 20 number on them? Can you get a top 30 number on them? This is ways that I would want to be interested in investing in John Pock, who, you know, we've seen college players come out and be so ready to go, be so good. Now, he's not Colin Morikawa. He's not Victor Hovland, but he's won, he won eight times at Florida State. He was the low am at the 2020 U.S. Open. What's his top 30 number? I, all right, here we go. Here's his top 40. Top 40 number. I'll just do it right now. 
plus 225 to finish inside the top 40. Sounds pretty good to me. I would probably bet that. Uh, okay, let's go to the matchups. This has really been uh, the bread and butter and should be your bread and butter for, for wagering. So let's see what we can find. This is the head-to-head matchup tool on rickrungood.com. It compares two golfers over any time period that you want, and it says the likelihood of each each one of them winning a four-round matchup. So as of recording this, DraftKings does not have their head-to-heads out yet, which is uh, rare. They're late. So I'm going to stick with William Hill here. And William Hill, <clears throat> they have them up. They don't have a lot of them. The first one that jumps off the page to me, we, we got to see the Brooks Kepka versus Dustin Johnson line. I'm doing this since the start of 2021. Both of them have probably been considered a disappointment, but Brooks with the win and Brooks with a couple of, uh, I believe, two runner-up finishes, uh, this is insane. I have been winning this 87% of the time. That is not that is not likely, right? There's probably no matchup in which any golfer is going to win 85% of the time unless it's Brooks Kepka versus me, and he's going to win it a lot more often than that. If we open it up, I, I think what this does, though, is it really does illustrate the difference between uh, Brooks, who a lot of people would say his year has been disappointing, and DJ, who, I mean, doesn't have a top 10 since... Riviera, I believe, was his last top 10, which was in February. So it it just has not been great golf, especially by DJ standards. If we open this up to the start of 2020, now a longer-term look, I still have Brooks Koepka as the favorite here. I have him at 57% to win, minus 136, and he is minus 105 on William Hill. So I can tell you, I've already bet this. Um, I believe they have the wrong guy favored here. DJ minus 118, Brooks Koepka minus 105. A lot of different ways that you slice this. Brooks comes out to be the better option. So I have taken advantage of that. Um, I haven't smashed it because I'm always a little bit worried about DJ, but I it, it, it was a bet for me. The other one here I find interesting, Fitzpatrick and Sung J.M. I imagine this has got to be a Fitzpatrick. Let's see. Yeah, so since the start of 2020, so again, long-term here, I have Fitzpatrick winning this 62% of the time, which should be about minus 166. He's minus 137 to Sung Jay's plus 110 at William Hill, so he is a significant favorite, but I actually think it should be bigger than this. And if we go more recent, if we go to 2021, stays the same, minus, minus 177 for Matt Fitzpatrick. If we open it up to the fall just a little bit, can I get like Sung Jay's, yeah, if you, if you include like Sung Jay's Masters runners runner up that that kind of gets it closer to even, but Fitzpatrick's still the favorite here, so it's not always as long as the odds would indicate. Well, minus one thirty seven at William Hill, but I think that Fitzpatrick um, is a pretty a pretty significant favorite, uh, no matter how you slice it in in this matchup. Also, this one has me. This one has me flipped here. Poulter is a huge favorite, minus one fifty over Kevin Kisner. I don't. I don't particularly love either of these guys, although I've been, I've probably been intentionally quiet on Poulter this week because I don't know what to do with him. I I like the form coming in. I like his, I think he's a streaky golfer. When you can catch him in some of these streaks, I want to be able to do it. I'm worried that the scorecard 77,655 yards is too long for him, but I also don't think it's going to play that long. I I love his short game at a place that I think is going to require his short game, but I also know that that's the only thing that's his crutch. So it it narrows his path. I, I really have gone back and forth on Poulter this week a lot. I think I've 
considered a full fade. I've considered betting an outright. I probably wouldn't bet him in. I don't know if I would put him in like a DFS lineup. That might be too risky. But I, I, I almost just want to bet him top five and forget about it and not have to worry about it. But I, I don't know. So here's here's what we're gonna do. Poulter, Poulter versus Kisner. Again, this is these are two guys that are are certainly shorter. At least the style of play is similar. Uh, if you go since the start of 2020. Poulter wins this in a big way for me, 66% of the time. So that is more reflective of his 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 line at William Hill, where he's minus 150. And then if we go shorter term, I bet you Poulter's a, a favorite as as well here. Yeah, 77%. I'm just trying to open this up. So it gets a lot closer. If we go back to the start of 2020, Kisner's 41%, but he's still a big dog here. So I I don't know if I trust e- either of these two. Poulter, I I guess I would prefer over Kisner. It's a huge number. I I don't know if I'll bet Kisner or or excuse me, Poulter matchups this week. That doesn't feel like the best way to be invested, but if you wanted to, I think the Poulter side is the side of this. All right, let's talk one and done. The run good one and done, which started uh, again at the beginning of the season in September. Uh, so we are just now entering, I believe, uh, segment four. Yes, this is the first week of segment four. So segment three is done. And I've I've heard you about John Rom. Uh, I know a lot of you had John Rom. He got you zero dollars, and I'm sorry, and it stinks. But the rules are the rules are very clear about this one. There's there's really no wiggle room in it. If your golfer starts the second round, um, and for any reason does not complete the event, you do not get your alternate, uh, and then also you get the amount of money that he earned, in which John Rahm's case was zero dollars, and it stinks. I get it. I was on the right side of it. In some pools, I was on the wrong side of it in others. Um, but there's really no gray area in this one. So, uh, unfortunately, if you use John Rahm last week, he got you $0. Caster Joshua still remains in the lead, $13.2 million. Graybo, 13 Opening up a little bit of a gap to Nash the Flash at 12.2. A little bit of a gap between Chappy Chaps and Jared Hebby, who are at 11.3 and $11.1 million. Um, For this week, I guess the good news is that you probably have a lot of the favorites available to you, right? The field is the field is so weak that you've probably not used guys inside the top 10 of the betting odds. So while on paper you'd be like, oh, this tournament stinks, it, it's actually pretty good for one and done because you can use anybody and have a legitimate shot. Uh, do you want to use Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka? I've I've considered using Brooks. Uh, I think that you know we're we're getting to the point of the season where we've got what we have the U.S. Open left. We have um, a couple of a couple of WGCs. We have the Open Championship. Were you planning on using Brooks Kepka anywhere in those places? Like for me, I know I'm I've kind of been saving Bryson for the U.S. Open. I'm not sure I want to do that anymore. Maybe I will use Brooks for the U.S. Open. Uh, but if you're if you're if you're good using him now, I think that's fine. I think that Matt Fitzpatrick is going to be incredibly popular. I imagine that if you like even getting Alex Norin, he is the seventh. He has the seventh shortest odds. He's finished inside the top 25 in, I think four of his last five starts. His best finish at the Memorial was the 13th. It was just last week. I, I wouldn't mind this either. 
this is kind of interesting. I think Lucas Glover is going to be popular because of what the um, what we heard about him in terms of in terms of of playing here. And if you look at at, at DraftKings at, on the sports book, he's twenty nine to one. He's got like the eighth or ninth shortest odds in this field. So again, I I'm not actually sure how much analysis there is here. Go get one of the top ten guys in the odds. You probably haven't used him, and you probably are not saving him for anywhere else. If you want to use Brooks, use Brooks. If you want to use Alex Norin, I don't mind it. If you want to use Lucas Glover, seems fine. So right, I actually think there's not a whole lot of analysis. Um, if you ask me what my favorites are, if I was if I was front running, I would probably just use. Brooks, if his win equity is 10% or 11% or something like that, I would probably just use Brooks. If I was chasing, um, I would not use Glover because I imagine he's going to be pretty popular. I would use someone like a Sung JM or an Alex Noren or even a Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, if I was really, really desperate and I, I wanted to catch lightning in a bottle or I wanted to make a big move, Patton Kazire might be that golfer for me because of his ability to get absolutely scorching. But I would probably... I would probably caution you from going any further than that. As much as I like the Corn Ferry guys, as much as I like the college guys, I don't know what the real expectations are. And if we are talking one and done, not just talking who's going to outperform their expectation. If we were playing jock market, if this was stock market DFS, I love all of these guys to outperform their expectations. But this is pure hard cash that you need uh, and, and it doesn't really matter what the expectation is. It's just, you're going to get the amount of money that they got for, for the golf tournament. So I wouldn't go probably much further than Kazire. All right. That'll do it. Betting in one and done preview for this week's Palmetto championship. It's going to be weird. Embrace it. I think that we don't know the type of skill set that will find success on this course. And I think you could have a really strange looking leaderboard come Sunday. Embrace it. Enjoy. The course should be great. Should look awesome on TV. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.